0: Hey, fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to Getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand.
1: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen.
0: Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 56 of Can I Pick Your Brain My guest today was told from a very young age that he was a big dreamer. And in fact, he was advised to drop out of school because he didn't have a chance at success. Well, this big dreamer turned those negative voices into powerful, positive action and not only became a millionaire at a young age, but was named business person of the year, became an award-winning international motivational speaker best-selling author, highly sought-after success coach, and one of the most energetic, positive balls of energy you will probably ever meet in your life. Greg Walker, otherwise known as The Big Dreamer, has made it his mission in life to help people change their lives by changing their minds. Greg, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
1: Wow, who is that dude you're speaking about, Daniel? I gotta meet that that dude. That's that, that's a sweet dude you're speaking about. Well, wow, my- thank you, brother. That was a that was a great <laughs> intro. That, Matt, that's make me blush, and not too many things make me blush.
0: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and my audience is gonna find out exactly, um, you know, what kind of person you are. And I- I'm so excited to have you on my show, and I'm really excited to find out, you know, how you went from being brought up with so much negativity. And managing to become so successful so like can we go back to when you were a young boy what was it like growing up in your shoes
1: well me me being 13 of 15 children uh, my father had 18 brothers and sisters my mother had 16 brothers and sisters I have 14 brothers and sisters
0: whoa
1: I'm the only one I'm the only one ever to make it out of the ninth grade you know grew up in a very violent drug-infested prostitution home with with murder like I said, prostitution. I would walk in on my fa- mother and father divorced and I was younger. I would always walk in and see my father molesting my sisters. My sisters would scream at me, get out of here. Oh my you know, they, 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 Even though my sisters are drug addicts or were drug addicts on the street, they always looked out after me. They always looked after me. So I dealt with that all the time. Uh, my, my father would come in and out of her life. So he, would, he would put my mother's head through the wall, throw it through glass windows, Oof. pull guns on my brother's. Uh, heads. He once pulled a, a gun on my on my on my brother's head and pulled the trigger. my older sister put her thumb between and actually he pulled the trigger and it broke her thumb. Oh my! Broke her thumb. God. And he, and he and I remember him looking at my my one of my oldest brothers and said, "You got lucky today. Oh. You got lucky." So that's where I grew up And, You know, I tell people all the time when you grow up with addict parents. And I'll I'll turn fifty one on December nineteenth. At fifty-one, Daniel, I've never touched alcohol or anything, and I used to think it's because I was strong. Now I know be- it's because of what I've seen in my life, and it's embedded in my head that I know what, what drugs and alcohol c- has the possibility to do. And I never wanted to do that. You know, I used to pick worms and <laughs> sell them to bait stores so we could help <laughs> feed each other because our parents were addicts. And listen, I, mm. I just learned this through my authors right there. Just wrote my story, and she says, "You know, Greg, do you think that's your your first time that you thought about entrepreneurship?" I said, you know what? I don't know. Maybe it was. She said, well, your brother and sisters were getting high and getting drunk, and they were only picking two to five cans, and you picked 20 to 30. I said, well, Donna, I picked those 20 to 30 because I didn't want to have to go there. Plus, we had to turn our money into my father, right? So I figured if they were picking two to five cans, then I would pick two to five cans and just give him that money and then stash the other money away in my pocket so I could buy food at the store for myself. Wow. So that was my first turn into entrepreneurship.
0: Oh my goodness! So, well, can I ask where where are your brothers and sisters and parents today?
1: Uh, both parents are dead. <laughs> uh, the reason I didn't speak till I was eleven years old, and I just figured this out at forty six year old forty six old because one of my friends is a child psychologist.
0: Oh, and you didn't. And speak? I woke
1: about, uh, yeah. You, I didn't speak at all till, till eleven years old. What and do you mean? What do you mean you didn't speak? Years old. Um, I woke about five seven years old. I hear a noise. I get up. I see my, my father back in my home. He's standing at the top of the stairs. I see a bottle, which I know now is Jack Daniel's whiskey, and a gun. And my mother was at the bottom of the stairs, you know, with blood everywhere. Oh, and he looks at me. and He says, boy, that's what happens when you open your bleepity, expletive voice in you, your mouth. So that's why I never spoke. I thought I was quiet. My wife I've been married to for 29 years. Wow. She was my best friend growing up. I wow. never asked her to marry me, Daniel, 29 years ago. Oh, I was that shy. I gave her, her only sister, who's in Israel right now, visiting. Really? Um, I gave her only sister the ring, and I said, please go ask Janet to marry me. And I ran. I went to my boy's house, my friend's house. She <laughs> called me, and one of my best friends, she said, yeah, you big dummy. I've known you since fourth grade. I'll marry you. <laughs> oh, That's my how quiet God. I was Daniel. And she used to order my food for me. With all my restaurants, I never held a meeting never I, I delegated you know we teach people in business you have to learn to delegate you can't be the captain of the ship and and cleaning the rooms at the same time you will crash so I was great at that because I had to delegate right I joined this thing called toastmasters three years ago and they brought the confidence out of me to speak so when my employees now see me speaking they're like who's this dude here who's this guy <laughs> who's this guy listen Daniel wow. my uh, my oldest sister hasn't when I graduated and you know I was at like you said I was asked to drop out of high school my very first day because my 12 siblings before me dropped out, but it's because of a loving teacher that turned me back and took me in that school when I dropped out. And I want everyone to listen to this. I want you to put this in your mind and write this down. Find someone in your life that can talk you off that ledge, who can turn you around to get you where you were supposed to go, to turn you in that right direction. That was my teacher, Miss Renee Rivers, who did that. She walked me through high school and a month before graduation, Her and three other high school teachers brought me in. They told me to close the door. They told me they were going to do something that's risking their jobs. They told me I was not going to graduate because we needed a two-point grade point average to graduate in 1984. Mm -hmm. I had a Mm 1.9. So what they did was they changed my grades from 1.9 to 2 because they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. They knew the reason why I was always looking out at, at the windows because I was dreaming how to get out of my life. They knew I wasn't stupid, but I thought I was stupid. I graduated 454th out of 455. And I was mad. I told my teacher, Miss Rivers, I'm gonna graduate at the bottom. She says, Greg, don't worry about that because I know I knew you have a work ethic in you. I see you when you play sports. You have that ethic and you will outwork everybody. You will outwork that person that has an MBA PhD. That's incredible. I didn't really see that, but now I see it now. And that's why I tell people talent won't win when talent won't work hard. Right? Everybody's got talent. But who's willing to go the distance to get what they want? Who's willing to sacrifice who they are for who they want to become? Are you willing to sacrifice sleep? I just spoke with Les Brown, and one of my friends drove nine hours, no sleep, for two days because he wanted to live his dream and get a picture with Les Brown. That's what sacrificing is. Are you willing to put your iPhone down for a week to sacrifice and get your dreams? Are you willing to go without sleep? Are you willing to go without going to those parties those sporting events to get your dreams? Most won't.
0: But why? I will. Why? I did. Why? Why won't they? That's the question. Why won't they? Where, where are your sisters and brothers today and why did they go to drugs and why did they run away but you didn't? You grabbed life by the balls and you did something with yourself. Why?
1: Well, most of most of them are, are in prison on the streets till the to this day and you no know, I have I have helped um, all of them. But just by giving them money, and that didn't work, you know, because you, a light bulb can change itself, but it's got to want to change. So I stopped giving my siblings money, and I offer them education, rehab. But the reason they do is most most people are fearful. Most people let fear take them to where they they don't want to go. And you know, I tell people there's two meanings to fear in my life: face everything and run. That's what mm-hmm. my family did, mm-hmm. or do what I did and face everything and rise. You know, in fear, I invite fear. I love fear. I love doing things that scare me. As long as it's not going to cost me a limb, an eye, or my life, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. That's it. Most people in the world, especially America, they they let fear guide them. And fear is just a myth that we make up. You know, some guy right now who's a plumber in America, right? He mm-hmm. wants to be a school teacher, But he's afraid that he won't pass the test. Listen, I got, a, I got an old employee, a young employee, but he's one of my older employees, He wanted to be a doctor, living in the basement of alcoholic parents. Well, we always guided him. He used to bring his younger brother, Eric, uh, um, uh, Brad, and to work with him. We'd buy him coloring books, and we knew this young man wanted to be be a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. But he was so fearful of getting into college that he wouldn't apply for medical school. He didn't think he could do it. Now we see him 20 years later. He hugs my wife, and I say, thank you, guys. Because of you, Jan, a big dreamer, I'm a doctor now at Ohio State University. Wow. I said, Eric, listen, you were just a rocket. Me and my wife, we were just a fuel.
0: That's incredible. That's
1: it. I taught him fear. Fear is a myth. Fear is a myth. Go, go try to be a plumber. Go be a school teacher. Go get your GED and go to college. You got to get away from it. The only way through fear, you can't not go around it. You can't not go over it, on top of it. You got to kick the door down and just bust through it and just do it.
0: So what were some of the things that you were really scared of? Poverty. Mm
1: -hmm. Poverty. That's what I was scared of. That was your biggest fear. Why? That was my biggest fear because I grew up in poverty Mm -hmm. and I knew I saw people with things. Now, I tell people, people say, Greg, you know you talk a lot about finances and stuff. You're you're too into money. I said, no, I'm not too into money. I'm just not into poverty. I'm not into poverty. Listen, I was born into poverty. That's not a problem. But if I stay in poverty, there's a problem there. Right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's a problem. Like like there was a... uh, uh, systematic problem in my family for no one ever on either side to go past the ninth grade, to no one ever making more than thirty thousand dollars a year. That's a problem. It's 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 not a shame to be born in poverty. What There's was no the, shame what, Craig, but if you stay there. What, what, that's what's, a problem.
0: The, what's the most you've made in a year?
1: Um, uh, most I made, uh, probably five million. The most I made, 5, in, most 5. I made in three days was three hundred thousand.
0: Holy smokes, man!
1: Three hundred thousand. this is where I talk. And this is where I talk about um, Daniel about sacrificing. Yeah, uh, you know who LeBron James is, right? The basketball yeah. player.
0: Yeah, who hasn't?
1: <laughs> okay, when he when he when he was in Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in Columbus, Ohio. He's in Cleveland, from Cleveland. When he played in Miami, I bought four courtside seats for the playoffs to see him. Mm-hmm. Well, a buddy of mine called who was in problem with uh, had problems with taxes, right? And he knew my wife and I were good at just looking at numbers and stuff. And my wife's great at investigating. So he called me, he said, brother, he said, hey, can you come to Seattle, Washington, and help me? I'm in deep, deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how can I help you? He said, you guys are good at looking at numbers. I, I haven't paid my taxes in like five years. So I said, brother, I don't know if I can help you. He said, please, I'll, 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 I'll pay you some money. I'm like, dude, I'm going to watch LeBron. Well, when he told me on the phone what it was, I said, we're coming there. And my buddy, I gave him the tickets. I said, I'm going to give you tickets to go see LeBron. He's like, man, I can't believe you're giving up on that. How are you giving up on that? Right. Well, when I told him, he still didn't. This is a guy who, at right now, 61 years old, still works in a warehouse, makes less than $28,000 a year, right? Wow. But I grew up with him. I love him. See, like I said, opportunities come to everybody, Daniel, but only a few will take them. I have a picture on my Facebook where I show, and Instagram where I show that I'm smiling big, driving back from Seattle, Mm-hmm. And I have a blow up of that check that says three hundred thousand dollars.
0: The guy paid you so three hundred thousand dollars. Three hundred
1: thousand for a week. My wife and I went to help him find come. his numbers, m- make his numbers right, so he wouldn't have to pay huge, huge penalty. Because he was looking at paying millions of dollars, like oh, six, wow. seven million dollars in penalties. So three hundred thousand was nothing.
0: How did you break? How did you break through the money mindset? Because I feel like a lot of people listening to this, you know, one of the one of the issues a lot of people have when they're growing a business is they just can't get that past that, that, that point. Like, you know, so the person who's only ever made like $20,000 a year, they just can't imagine making like $100,000. Or the person who's made $100,000, they just can't see themselves making like a million dollars. And it's just like, how do you break through that mindset? How did you break through that, that $20,000 or $30,000 mindset and and go and get five million dollars in one year,
1: because I saw a guy driving a three hundred thousand dollar Ferrari in the nineteen eighties. I saw a guy. I listen. I had I had friends with their parents, you know, who basically raised me, who taught me. And they have one guy, George O'Connor, who I used to go to church with with his daughter, and because I was I was beaten if I talked about any type of religion, any, mm-hmm. any. My father hated any type of. I don't care if it was Islam, Christianity judaism i don't care what it was he it wasn't heard of then so they taught me the greater things in life when i first saw what a Rolls royce was i didn't like the car but i thought wow someone spends four hundred thousand dollars on a car <laughs> my first mentor through my teacher miss rivers uh was a guy who came in he would speak because we went to an all-black school in the inner city of columbus and so they would bring people in we brought this guy in and he was talking to us and i kind of like had a chip on my shoulder because of my family life in seventh grade Mm-hmm. And he comes to me, and says, young man, is there something I'm saying that is irritating you because you're kind of giving me these weird looks? I remember we went to an all-black school and I looked at him and said, we are just tired of you white guys coming in here telling us how we can do something. My best friend who just celebrated my birthday with me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he said, he reached over and he says, great. You do know you're the only white dude in this class, right? <laughs> <laughs> he tells the story all the time. So, so uh, he said, this guy said, young man. He said, um, I know about you. Your teacher talked about me, about you. Your principal explained to me. He said, where do you think I went to college at? I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, uh, uh, Europe or California, New York. He said, what if I told you I dropped out of ninth grade? I said, if you dropped out of ninth grade, you're a loser like my, like my family. <laughs> my teacher yelled, Gregory, you respect this man. I said, Miss Rivers, he said he dropped out of the ninth grade. All my brothers and sisters dropped out in ninth grade. How is he successful? How can he tell me what to do? She said, listen to him, young man. And he said, Greg, I'm an orphan. I dropped out of ninth grade. I was a dishwasher. And I was a dishwasher for this guy who drove a white Cadillac around wearing a white suit with a white beard for 20-some years, trying to sell his chicken recipe from Kentucky. I said, (laughs) I never heard of the guy. He said, yes, you have, Greg. His name is Harlan Sanders, but you know him as... Kentucky fried chicken. No way. I said, I, I said, what's this got to do with anything? He said, well, I worked for him as a dishwasher and Indiana's right next to Ohio. And he said, I was working for him in his restaurants in Indiana washing dishes, then became a assistant manager and manager. And he told me, he says, young man, I have 11 underperforming stores in Columbus, Ohio. I didn't. We didn't know what underperforming stores were at that time. Basically, it's stores not making any money. Right. And uh, he he said, if you can go turn these around, I'll give you one.
0: He wow, turned how, how him around so
1: much, he gave that he, he gave him all 11.
0: How old were you?
1: I see, 7th grade, so probably uh, 13, 14.
0: And this teacher, 13, of, this teacher of yours is telling you the story that happened to him, like, meaning he took over the stores.
1: No, 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 no. This is a guest that she brought in. Because we, oh. we have a thing here called Junior Achievement.
0: Oh, okay. And we just okay. have
1: it in the inner city. So she would bring in speakers. So this guy, and he said, Gregory, I came to uh, Columbus. I turned all 11 stores around. He didn't give me one. He gave me all 11. And he says, I knew I thought I could build a better hamburger. And I don't like milkshakes. I want to have my own milkshakes. And he says, I have a daughter named Melinda. And she has pigtails and red hair. So he says, young man, right around the corner here, I started my first restaurant on East Broad Street, three miles from here. And it's called Wendy's. My name is Dave Thomas.
0: Hell no. He's the owner yeah. of, of Wendy's. That's the guy that the that... founder,
1: the founder, Dave Thomas. He's the guest that my teacher brought in to us wow. to talk to us. So I didn't really, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was, you know, in high, even through high school, I didn't realize, ah Dave Thomas, blah blah blah. And this is the thing I tell people: Daniel, opportunities come to everybody, but who, who will take those opportunities? That's the question. So there's 25 kids in my class, right? Mm -hmm. Me and two other Dave Thomas said, you know what? I'm going to bring someone out of my team every month to mentor you guys for a whole year on a Saturday. It probably Mm -hmm. won't be me. It'll be one of my staff members. But if you guys show up, they will teach you things about business and about life. Not all about business, but mainly about life. And me, uh, a guy named Keith, he's a big time attorney, Atlanta and Lakeisha, who has three kids in high school. Right. Mm -hmm. But because she came every Saturday she has six dental practices in the United States.
0: Wow. So you
1: look 20, 25 kids, only three of us stayed. right? And we all became successful. All the other ones, all they talk about now when they see us, man, we could have came there. We could have done that. We could have. And listen, mm. it's all those could have been all those should have been. So that's where I really learned about money. That's where I learned about money. And Dave Thomas told me, young man, to never be ashamed to have money. He's because money affords you to help people. It affords you to help people. And that's where people, you know, I hear people talk about, you know, Greg, you know, the, you know, money is, is the root of all evil. The Bible says, I said, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading because it says the love of money. And I said, I love money. L-O-V, I love money with all my heart because I can't help people build schools without my money. I can't. I could never build the gymnasium for my daughter's private school. My neighbors, when they lost their jobs as high paying engineers, and architects. They had to uproot their kids, but because the big dreamer, their neighbor made a lot of money. Guess what? I, I paid their rent for six months Wow! and now they didn't have to move out. They found jobs. So that's why I tell people I love money. I think the love of money is the root of all evil when you have a billion dollars, but you won't let a nickel go to help someone because I believe money is used as a tool to help other people. I've sent kids to private colleges to help them get to GEDs, to rehab. I would have never been able to do that if I didn't love money, right?
0: So how did you get started in the – you You made your money, your first million, I guess, in the franchise business, right? Yes. What, what was the business yes. model?
1: How did you get that, started? Uh, I went I went to University of Florida. I mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, didn't know what a franchise or a franchisor w- was. I just knew Wendy's, right? Mm-hmm. I knew Wendy's. So I'm going to eat this thing called Subway 1984 because I was homesick. <laughs> I was I was homesick, right? I was homesick because we didn't have YouTube or, or iPhones or anything like that in 1984. Now it's much easier to go way to college. You can get, heck, I can go, look, I'm speaking to you in Israel, right? That's yeah. how easy technology is now. So I go. I was homesick, so I'd go eat in Subway. Um, and it was a small, not that big of a chain then. And I would speak to the owner, and I'd go in every day because I was homesick. And we were just talk, and we start talking. He taught me how he got in Subway. It was easy. So I knew I didn't want to work for anybody. I knew I didn't. So I came back to columbus because my wife and i had a baby so i dropped out to my second year and i started working in a subway because i knew i wanted to own a subway and i worked seven days a week because you have to do what you have to do and i had a newborn baby who needed diapers who needed uh a a similac milk whatever it was yeah so i worked seven days a week after eight day after eight months this man brought me in him and his wife and he says young man we need to have a discussion i said yeah clarence what is it he said, I know you want to be assistant manager, manager, and a district manager. He said, but uh son, we have to part ways. I I I can't have you work for me anymore. Now I'm a big guy. I'm six foot one. Now I'm 249, but about six foot one, about 210 pounds. I played football at University of Florida as outside linebacker. I was ready to hit this old guy <laughs> because I because I I was thinking he's gonna tell me I'm stealing, I'm lying to him. I said, Clarence, I've never done anything wrong here. I worked my heart out. He says, stop it. Stop it, Greg. Now I'm really about ready to punch him. And his wife and him look at me and they said, Greg, you cannot work for us because we need you to take the next step and become an owner. What? I I (laughs) said, what owner do you want me to work for? And he says, we don't want you to work for an owner, Greg. We want to help you buy a store. I said, buy a store as in what? A subway. (laughs) Because I said, said, Clarence, I said, uh, (laughs) I don't have no money. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have any money. I don't even know how to buy. I said, we paid $450 for our car. We don't even, how do we, how would we even go get money for a business? And he says, you're not going to. I'm going to be your bank. What? I said, B- what's that mean? He said, how much money do you have? Because my wife and I used to work for Ralph Lauren after I dropped out of college. He said, how much money do you and Jan have with the baby? I said, we have $1,400. He said, can you give me 500 of that and I'll finance you to rest?
0: Oh my! And I'm goodness. thinking in
1: my mind because of of life I grew up in. I'm thinking I know scam artists, right?
0: <laughs> so I'm
1: thinking, I'm thinking, just no, this dude ain't taking my 500 bucks. Yeah, he's yeah. not taking my 500 bucks. And he looked at me. He says, "Greg, if you if you fail or don't want to do it, I just take my store back. I I can't lose either way." He said, "But I'm telling you, if you get in here and work for yourself, like you work for me and my wife Nancy, I guarantee you would never have to worry about picking worms a day in your life, never." And he looked at me and his wife gave me a big hug and she said, listen, listen to Clarence. Listen to him, Gregory. Listen to him. So I went back and asked some of my my, uh, friends that lived on the street, some of my brother's friends, you know, who were drug dealers. And I told them. And it was the drug dealers, Daniel told me. They said, wait a minute, Greg, this dude's willing to finance you, your business. (laughs) So you can't really lose because if you walk out, you don't lose anything. And it was the drug dealers that said, take the deal. Take the deal. Get in there, work your butt off, because you ain't got nothing to lose, Greg. You ain't got nothing to lose. And that's what my brothers always taught me. If you go up against someone and fight them and they have nothing to lose, you will always lose. Because the man who has nothing to lose, he'll win eventually. And that's what happened. I got in there. First thing I did was stop uh, all smoking in the store. We were one of the first businesses in Ohio. Now Ohio is all smoke-free. We did that. People laughed at me. I went out and I met. I went to I went to synagogues. I went to churches. I went to <laughs> mosque. I went everywhere I could because I, I, as Les Brown says, I was hungry. I was hungry. Hungry. I to make sure I wanted to make sure my baby girl who was born. I wanted to make sure that she had the best schooling, a great life. So I worked my store. You know, people talk about grinding and hustling. Most people just talk. They don't know what grinding or hustling is. Daniel, I worked my first Subway store. Open to close, seven days a week four weeks out of the month, 12 weeks out of the year for four years straight. I only left an hour to go home and shower and see my daughter. Wow. That was it. I paid my first store off in a year and a half instead of seven to 10. Then I used that to leverage to get another one because Clarence taught me about leverage, right? You pay one store off. Now, instead of paying $150,000 for that, $189,000 for that store, now that store with sales is worth half a million dollars. So now I can go out and open another store. Well, I took that store sales up 189 percent so mm. guess what subway wants you to do you take a store up 189 percent they want you to open more stores right so i leveraged that to went to the bank they're like sure young man you don't have any debt we'll give you a loan you want to buy another store we'll give you another loan so i kept using leverage buying stores and, stores, how, how, many and stores, the, how many stores how many stores did you have fi, 55 at one time 55 yeah. 55 i became the oh. second largest second largest subway franchisee in ohio at the at the time Wow. Um, the only other guy who was bigger than me was a guy who actually started Subway uh, <laughs> in Ohio. Right. So then I became successful. Then I started opening more and more and more. And then I found out you could buy them and flip them for more money. And that's what we do to this day. We'll buy a store and just you run it for a year. I'll buy it super cheap because some guy who bought it with three partners, you know, they thought they were going to make millions of dollars off one store. So they fight and argue. So I buy it for like 80. I just bought a store for $100,000 less than what I can build it for. People say, Greg, I thought you were getting out. I said, Listen, when you could buy a business for a hundred thousand less, and you could flip that, I paid I paid two hundred fifteen thousand for the store, Daniel. I'll be able to sell it for half a million dollars in a year. Wow, what's the secret buy, to your I, growth, though? What the, se- what? the secret is getting is getting in, into the business, and just having a system. Anything in life is having systems. Most people who fail, they fail because they don't have systems in place. That's it. I love systems. That's why I love franchises. I would never open my own my own restaurant or company because I love systems. Well, I was going to say, franchises like, are.
0: how do you manage 55 stores? Like most people can hardly manage one, you know, and you, you're managing 55. That's, that's insane. It's
1: like because I didn't speak, you know, in business, we always teach people to delegate, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I, because I didn't speak to people, I always had to delegate. So delegating was easy for me. To this day, it's easy for me. I delegate my nieces. They hate it. My daughter, my wife. But I had to because I did not speak. That's the one thing business people, it's hard to get people to delegate. For me, it was a necessity because I didn't speak. So now we use technology. I can look at my stores right now on my iPhone, my iPad, and see how many cookies are rang up if they gave a police officer a 50% discount to <laughs> so technology, which I know nothing about. But I love surveillance systems because I know how to use those. So I tell people, the bit, one of the biggest myths, Daniel, is you cannot buy time. Sure you can. I buy time right now. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here visiting my, my friend, 73 years old, who lost his leg and gave up on life every day that I'm not speaking, seven days a week. See, I buy my time because I pay managers to run my businesses. That's when you become wealthy when you can buy your time. See, I didn't want to get in business to work seven days a week. I wanted to get into business to have a lifestyle where I can spend every single day with my wife and my daughter. My daughter's 29 years old. She sees me six days a week because I spent time with her. Wow. Up until probably probably five years old, I was always working. You know, I was always working. But then in kindergarten or preschool, Daniel, I took my daughter every single day. I dropped her off in preschool, picked her up, all the way up to the day she went to college.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it, you I, know, it's a real blessing. It is a real blessing. Yeah. I, I come home every day. I play chess with my oldest son. Um, I have four children and i i make it a thing that every day i play chess with my 8 year old um and then i and then i do a little bit of homework with the other kids and tell them a bedtime story and i'm telling you every day i feel like it's a blessing cuz you know it's like th- 4 in the afternoon where most people are still working you know and they can't they can't do that they don't have that luxury most people are traveling or going to work and then coming home late at night working overtime they're not seeing their family and for me, that's just not a life that I wanted to live. Like, I, that's not what I want to do, you know?
1: Yes. You know, Mark Twain said, most people die at 25. They're just buried at 75.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: And that's that's most people. They go to a ju- It's called the box life, Daniel. They sleep in a box. They eat cereal out of box. They drive a box. They go sit in a box, a cubicle. And then they come back home to that box and that's all they know for 30 or 40 years. And then they look back and say, wow, I've never lived my life. Never. I know people that's worth a hundred million dollars who cannot tell you the name of the school their kids went to Daniel. Hmm. And I know people who just, they just get by and they take those kids to school. They go to their plays, they go to their sporting events and their kids go to college. They become great people in the end, in the end, if we're lucky enough to be in a hospital bed it's about the people who, surround, who we're surrounded by. To me, that's success. And I don't know if it's because of the family life I grew up in, but family is everything with me. You'll never hear you that saying. You'll never hear a wealthy business person say, I wish I spent more time at the office when they're dying.
0: You know, Greg, for someone that didn't speak for most of his life, you speak really well.
1: It's You know, at Toastmasters, when I joined Toastmasters 26 months ago, my doctor told me to join my dentist eight years ago. It's funny, Daniel, because he's in my book because he told me about Toastmasters. So I didn't know anything about Toastmasters. I said, I said doctor, I said, doc, you know I'm a lifelong diabetic. I can't eat bread. Mm-hmm. He started laughing. He said, Greg, what do you think Toastmasters is? I said, it's it's for toast, right? It's a client. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, no, 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 it's not, Greg. I didn't know. I thought it was a toaster, right? Like a convention. Right. He said, it's an organization. They teach you how to speak to be a competent communicator it's for like politicians uh news anchors or just someone who works at a company who has to get up and speak mm-hmm. what well, took me it took me five years to get there because when i heard that the doctors and ceos i don't wear suits i wear my dream grind hustle my my big dreamer hat my shorts i, I don't i'm not a dress up person yes i'm sitting in a hundred thirty thousand dollar car right now but i don't dress up clothes i don't so i'm thinking everyone's I'm thinking everyone's dressed up. So that that was that fear I was driven by, that, mm-hmm. because it was a speaking thing. My speaking thing, you asked me what my fear was. It was speaking in, in front of people, which is 87% of people's fear is uh, public speaking. So I finally my wife gets to talk me into going, and I get there. It's like five minutes till. How old were you? And Oh, this was three years ago, 26, 48 years old. You're 48. 40 old. So 48 years old so, is
0: your first time going to, to – to, to, Speak, basically. Toastmasters. Yeah, Toast, Toastmasters. You right. to learn
1: how to speak. To learn so, how to speak. This is where this is where I tell people things line up for a reason. So I'm talking to my wife, and remember I thought people were gonna be dressed up.
0: Oh <clears throat>
1: like tucked. Um as my wife they're calling me right now. Uh, <laughs> I hung up on her though, that's okay. <laughs> um so I'm I'm thinking in my mind, everyone's dressed up, right? So mm-hmm. I told my wife, I'm looking at this first guy. He looks at president, looks just like President Obama, <laughs> but he's heavier. So I know I'm not going to ask him, right, because I know he's going. He's in a nice suit. I see a lady in a dress, really nice dress. So I'm not going to ask her, right, because I know she's going. Mm-hmm. She's dressed in a, in a nice dress. So I told my wife, I got it on my ear, I said, baby, I'm coming home. This Toastmasters thing is not for me. She said, dear, please, please go. I know you have something to offer people. Please go to it. So she begged me. And I spotted my target. I spotted my turkey, Daniel. <laughs> this dude wearing flip-flops. He's wearing flip-flops, stained khaki shorts, and a bright Hawaiian shirt, like I was wearing, right? <laughs> right. He was my he was my turkey. I said, baby, <laughs> hold on a second, I'm gonna ask this guy. I said, mm-hmm. but I'm coming home. I had the phone in my ears. And I said, excuse me, sir, can you tell me what this thing called Toastmasters is? He turned around, he had a patch on his eye, and he smiled and he said, shook his hand and he says, Yes, I can, son. My name is Charlie Ashley. I'm the president of Toastmasters of Ohio.
0: Oh, my goodness. What is with you meeting all the right people?
1: (laughs) Well, that's what I talk about. And I just saw that man last night, the oldest Toastmaster in Ohio. And when me and Les Brown were speaking there, I always say Charlie is the reason that I won't shut up, right? (laughs) So, Daniel, this kid who couldn't speak at 48 years old, I'm studying my Toastmasters class. And I heard about this thing called a speech contest. When I got there, I didn't know there was such a thing.
0: Right. So
1: this Charlie Ashley guy says, I believe that we are looking at a world champion of public speaking at Toastmasters and possibly a international speaker making good money. So I'm looking at my the guy who coached me on one speech, my icebreaker. His name is um, Harold, who graduated from Harvard and Georgetown. I <laughs> remember I graduated from public school in city, 454 out of 455. Right. Or Maria, right beside me, who's seventy-two year old, two years old, graduated graduated from the Ohio State University. A great orator, great orator. I didn't know what right. an orator was then, right? right? I'm thinking, who are they talking about? And they both said, "You, Greg." I said, "Wait a minute. Did he say a chicken wing eating contest? <laughs> because, because I can eat the wing, but a speech contest, not me, <laughs> not me. That's not for me." Well, see, sometimes you have to believe in others' belief in you before you start believing in yourself.
0: Greg, how right? much do you get paid to speak today?
1: I got paid fifteen thousand dollars to speak to a school last week here in Ohio for seventy minutes.
0: Fifteen thousand dollars for a seventy minutes. If someone would have told you that when you were forty-eight and you were walking into Toastmasters, what, you, what what would you have said to them?
1: I told them I told them they were stupid when they told me I could speak. It's it, That's wild. I told I I, I said. Listen, Daniel, I was winning competition after competition, right? I have all these trophies in my closet because trophies mean nothing to me. My trophy is my baby girl, my daughter. That's Mm -hmm. my trophy for life. So I came home and I won another contest, right? This big gold trophy. Mm -hmm. My wife started crying. She couldn't believe it. And I threw, I slammed up against my granite countertop. I slammed it. Why? I said, why? I said, who are these people to lead me on? To lead me on trying to butter me up, trying to suck up to me, make me feel sorry for me because of my life and give me the, these stupid trophies. And my wife said, dear, maybe they, maybe you're doing something good like you have in our life. I said, Janet, Ann, you know I don't speak. How am I, uh, There's nine guys I just competed with and they're telling me I'm first place. Well, she kept me going, going, going. Well, I'm a diabetic by life, juvenile diabetic. I cannot get the flu. I got the flu. Daniel beginning of the week I was supposed to speak and if I won this last competition, I go to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada to wow. compete for the wow. world Championship of Public Speaking.
0: Wow. So in
1: my life I would not lose just to lose, right? I'm gonna lose I'm gonna lose on my own merit. So I couldn't speak at all. My voice was gone. My wife's got all these remedies. My temperature was 105 degrees. I should have mm-hmm. been at the doctor at 101 degrees because of my diabetes. But I said, I'm going to beat this. They, I got pictures of me with a big pot of water with a towel over top of my head. So I get through the competition, and everyone's panicking. They're coming up to me, Greg, what's wrong with you? Your eyes are bloodshot. What's wrong? You're sweating. You need to go to the doctor. Charlie, uh, Maria, they're wiping my sweat. And they're saying, young man, this is just a competition. Please go to the doctor. I said, guys, listen, if I'm going to lose, I'm not going to lose just letting the sickness make me lose. I'm going to lose my own merit. Mm -hmm. so I went up there I gave it I tell people when you get one when you get your chance what will you do with that chance will you become a champion or will you become a chump but it's your opportunity it's your time to grab the world it's your chance to grab your dreams so I got up there there was nine people two guys I said those are phenomenal speakers in my mind I told people these two guys they should be speaking they're going to get paid a lot of money well I got up I was going to leave Charlie pulled me down said young man where are you going I said it's over with Charlie. I gave my speech. I'm going to go to doctor. He said, no, you sat down. I got back up. They called number two person. Maria said, where are you going? I said, I'm leaving. She said, no, you sat down. You're going to go through this. You said you're going to go through it. You're going to go through it. I'm sitting there with my head down. I'm sweating all over the floor. And Charlie, <laughs> Charlie and um, and uh, Maria, they said, young man, go get your trophy. You're going to Las Vegas. I said, What? I said, what? Oh, my. I, said, what? <laughs> I So there. everyone's clapping for me, about 500 people. Wow.
0: And I go up there.
1: I, I couldn't believe it. Everyone shook my hand. And here's the thing. You know how they remember me two years later?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I threw up over all of the floor after I got my trophy.
0: <laughs> no, no way.
1: <laughs> yes. Remember, I was that sick. I went to the, the doctor right after. They had to put IVs in me. They had to give me uh, insulin to get oh, my sugar my. levels down. And um, that's when I believed that I could speak. And when I went to Caesars Palace you know, for, for the uh, 2014 championship, and this is the thing. When I didn't make it to the finals, Daniel, I thought I was a big loser. Remember, I was only in Toastmasters six months. Charlie Ashley calls me and says, Gregory, put, put Jan on the phone. He says, Jan, does uh, did your husband think that he's a loser? She says, yes, Charlie. He feels bad that he let you guys down. He says, Jan, you know, and your husband all your life. Will you please tell him that the guy who beat him has been trying since 1989? Wow. And, and Greg's only been in Toastmasters. He said, your husband has no damn business even being there. And I said, I told you, Charlie, I was that bad. He said, young man, you're not that bad. You're that good. You've only been in Toastmasters six months. You shouldn't even be there. You should take years, years. He said, I started in Toastmasters in 1971, Greg, and I've never made it as far as you.
0: What makes, you such, what what da- makes you such a good speaker, Greg?
1: Well, I didn't know that, Daniel. When I was winning, I would leave because when you compete, you're allowed to stay in the room. But I didn't know that. I thought I had to leave. So one of the guys who believed in me, his name is Carl um, Delostretto. He gave me my first trophy. And when he gave my first trophy, he whispered whispered in my ear. He said, Greg, this will not be your your last trophy. And you have something about you. So I asked him, I said, I said, Carl, why do people like my speeches? I don't understand. He said, if you said in there, you'd see why. He says, Greg, listen. Most people who give speeches, that's what they give speeches. You give a message, and that's what people love. You give a message, that's what people love. And I didn't understand that. And when I gave my speech about my story, and that's what helped me get my story out, no one knew my story, Daniel, until I joined Toastmasters, because I was afraid that people in my franchise would judge me. I thought they would judge me when they heard my life. So when Toastmasters loved it, then my wife said, it's time, dear, it's time to tell our story. Right, so Carl believed in me. He says, "Young man, you you give a message," and I was making women cry, and I was apologizing. I would tell Charlie and Carl and Benji and Harold and Maria. I said, "Guys, I'm sorry I made those women cry," and they looked at me like I just robbed them. <laughs> they looked at me like I just pulled a gun. And Maria says, "Greg, when you can make people cry, you're touching their hearts, and that's what most speakers can't do. You do that very well." So then I had to, I had to apologize to my Toastmasters after I, I I got to that point because I thought I was lying to them, Daniel, mm-hmm. because I've never written a speech. You know, they teach you how to write speeches from your icebreaker where you say, hi, my name is, my name is Daniel, my name is Greg, blah, 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 because I, I, I always I learn at a different pace, a different way. I, ha- I can't write things. I have to do things in my mind. So what I do now is when you say I got five to seven minutes. I'll practice my speech in my mind with a, uh, a stopwatch or something and I'll do that well I told him I said guys I want to tell you something I said I, I apologize but I've never written a speech I-, I can't write speeches I can't do that on a piece of paper Charlie looked at me shook my hand and smiled with his eye patch and he a young man it works for you right it works for you so I speak from my heart
0: you know why it works for you Greg I Where's think that? it wor- I think it works for you because you're just being you, and that's the secret. You see, you are someone who built a franchise fifty five fifty five restaurants, second largest Subway franchise in Ohio. Okay, and you, I helped you,
1: open. I helped you, open two hundred seventy taco franchises also, and,
0: and two hundred seventy taco franchises. And this is somebody, guys. For those listening, this is coming from somebody who grew up. With no education, no business education, no business experience, nothing. But you know what? That's exactly what you had going for you, Greg, is that you basically just said, I'm going to do, do it my way because I don't know any other way. And when you get up on stage, you don't know any other way because you don't even know how to write a speech. Right. You don't know how to write it down. So you just you just say whatever comes, whatever comes from inside. And that's the best speeches. I when I've given speeches in my life, the best speeches I've ever given were the ones where they were completely off the cuff and they just they just flowed. And, and it was like, I, I didn't even know where it came from. Have you ever stood on stage and, and in your mind as you're speaking, you're like, holy crap, where am I coming up with this stuff? This is awesome.
1: No, I, I think quite. Listen, I just spoke. I just took my nieces, who's with me here, visiting my friend Herbert. We just got back from Atlanta because I spoke to CNN. Mm-hmm. I spoke to CNN, and right after the next day, I spoke to a uh, a push to dream tour. Yeah. Afterwards, I think they hated me. What <laughs> did I say? Did I say a chicken just flew out of my butt or what?
0: <laughs> you I can still never think remember that?
1: that. You I still can. think that though? Today, I still think yes. Well, I, I spoke with Les Brown. It was it was all over the media, all over the social media and they said I got a standing ovation. I left and I said, my niece was there, and my niece was like, uncle, we could hear you all the way outside the auditorium. You were just rocking it. You had people yelling, today is the day, it's my time, 2017 is now, New Year's Eve was yesterday, today is my day. So why, I I mean, Greg, if you- I know what I said. Why you give, how are you
0: able to give over that message of hope and strength, which is basically what you're doing, and then afterwards, you're like questioning yourself: like, did I did I do anything? Did I manage? Like, ha- why did they even be- like me? Why?
1: Be- yes, be- because I think that I think because I don't I don't have proper etiquette. Now I don't. One thing I do in my life, and Toastmasters told me this. They said, you know, Greg, we never. They have a grammarian. They said, Greg, we've never heard you say um or whatever that, and that surprises me because that's what they they try to correct with most speakers and stop saying um or. Or, or so, or anything like that. Yeah. But I haven't had that problem. But I just speak from my heart. What I do is, like CNN, I said, what do you want me to do at CNN? Well, Greg, we want you to get our people who hold the boom mic to understand that they can become an anchor. We want the person who sorts the mail to understand that they can become a cameraman, a woman. I said, okay, how long do I have to speak? So I, I make up a speech in my mind with my life, and that's what I do. I just go in and speak from my heart. I speak from my heart. I'll I'll put my hand, I'll go grab the the person who holds the boom mic. I'll put my hand on their shoulder and I'll say, you know what? People told me, they told me that I would be locked up. They told me that I couldn't become a millionaire. They told me that I couldn't even make it past the ninth grade. I said, but you know what? I didn't get the memo. I listened (laughs) to other people believed in me. I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, listen, when people believe in you, you must start first believing in yourself because when people tell you that you should be an anchor person, then you start listening. Because when you start believing, that's when you sit in that anchor chair. Mm. So I ask people when I speak, what do you want me to do? That's what Toastmasters taught me. What is your objective? What do you want me to speak on? What do you, And that's what a lot of speakers do. That's what Les Brown told me. You know, Les Brown is my mentor because I grew up here listening to him as a, as a child when he was a DJ. And he said, Gregory, I always want you to do an assessment. I didn't know really what assessment was. He said, go in a day early, and I do that. Talk with the top five people and ask them, what problems do you have that you want me to solve? What do you want me to speak on? And that's what I do. I just got another job over a dude who has a Ph.D. who wears a $12,000 Armani suit. I wow. just blocked him out. They're not bringing him in. They're bringing back the big dreamer because they heard me speak. And they said, we want, I said, Do you want me? Who dropped out of high out of, out of high school? I went to college because my teacher just changed my grades. This dude's got a Ph.D. He's wearing a twelve thousand dollar Armani suit now. I can afford the suit, but I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not him. And they're like, wow. Greg, listen, we love your message. We love your message, not his Ph.D. So that's what I do. I speak from my heart. I just ask people, what do you want me to do? But I still, because when I leave, Dan, I cry. Listen. I cry when I got when I had that three hundred thousand dollar check. I cried all the way home driving from Seattle.
0: I would cry too.
1: <laughs> three hundred I mean, thousand Not because of the money, but because <laughs> who am I? Who am I to get this? Who am I? I'm not a smart dude. I'm not. And I don't. I, I'm, I'm serious. I think I'm not this Listen, I was buying some tools for my wife. My wife's five foot one. It's a little small redhead girl. So my friends see me buying tools. Right? They're like, dude, you building some major stuff. I said, no, you know, I don't build. That's Jan stuff. They're like, that's funny. My little niece says, listen, tells my friend Dave. Dave, listen, if my uncle holds up a drill and a hammer, he has to ask my aunt, dear, which one do I saw the wood with? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not the, listen, I'm not the smartest person. But you know what? You might be taller than me. You might be prettier than me. You might have a better GPA than me, but you will not outwork me. I will sleep in my business for four years straight, seven days a week. I will become successful. And that's the way I look at my, my my speaking right now. I will become successful. And that's why Les Brown talked about it last night. He said, do you guys know any Toastmasters that are speaking nationally other than Greg? No hands went up. No hands. He said that's because they're stuck doing things the proper way instead of thinking outside the box. Greg is speaking from his heart. That's why Fortune 500 companies are paying him. That's why high school colleges are paying him to speak. And I felt I, I just put my head down. and said I can't believe this man speaking about me. But that's all I do. And that's I ask people, why do you like me to speak? And they say because Greg, you're authentic. You're not afraid to say that you're lactose intolerant in front of a thousand people.
0: Right. You're, and not, I think that's you're not afraid. Was,
1: you're not afraid to say that that you you can't understand fractions.
0: That's what it really comes down to, Greg, because I th- feel like for people listening to this, this is all about one word, and that's authenticity. You're authentic. That's all it is. You're just being real. You're not hiding behind a brand or a logo or a website. And I find that with a lot of entrepreneurs trying to build up their business, you know, they want to come up with a fancy logo and a cool-looking website and all this stuff. And people don't want that. People want real. We want we want real people. That's why I personally believe that Facebook is, the, is one of the best um, social media platforms if you want to grow your business. Because I feel like Twitter and, 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 and all the other, you know, LinkedIn, it's just too formal. It's just too, like, whereas with Facebook, I get to see your family. I get to see who you are. You know, the minute I see someone with a picture of their child, I don't know what it is, I trust them. I trust them way more than I trust somebody who's just got a, a, a picture of them in a suit and tie. Because when I see a, a guy or, or a woman with, with their baby, I just feel like, oh, they're a real person. You know what I'm saying? Like That's what I feel like the business world is missing. People want to do business with people. That's right. That's,
1: that's, right. Why, that's you, why I asked Les Brown. I said, Les, why do I get all these speaking gigs over people who I can't hold a candle to, education-wise? He said, just like I do, Greg. He said, you know, I never worked for a Fortune 500 company. I never made it out of high school. I failed to eighth grade twice, held back in the third grade three times. He said, because people love us because we're real. We struggled. We talked. He was the first product. You know, we were with his mentor, Mike Williams, who lives here in Columbus, who told me to speak in Toastmasters. He said, you know, Greg, Les was the first speaker ever to say it's hard. It's hard to catch your dreams. It's hard to start your business. He said no speaker ever told people that it was hard. And he said, that's why people love you. And that's why people love your mentor, Les Brown. And you're right. When people uh, ask for a friend request, when I see them with their kids, like if you look at my Facebook page, you'll see my nieces all over the place.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You'll see my nieces everywhere. You'll see my nephews that I raised. You'll see my, my wife, my daughter. You'll see friends in me. With him. I look at that because it says something, but yeah, you're right. When I look at this fake guy and his night listen, any fool can go out and get a suit. <laughs> Anybody can go out, and you're right. The logos, my my website, greginspires.com, my wife made. She's never done a website. Daniel, can you know do you know how many times I would be richer, wealthier than Warren Buffett <laughs> if I made a dollar for everyone who called me and says, dude, you need I got this. I got this dude named Daniel. He can make you a nice website. Hey Daniel, how <laughs> much for your website? Uh, Eleven thousand dollars. Why? <laughs> Why do I need that? Why? It's kind of like a one sheet, right? I hear all these <laughs> old speakers tell me you got to get a one sheet. Right. No, all the all the people that hired me, Daniel, You know what they said? They said, Greg, we just went to your website. We saw Murray Newlands of Forbes Magazine call you know, the best inspirational motivational speaker he's ever been on stage with. We saw Les Brown talk about you, the world's leading motivational speaker. We saw Dr. John Cord- Cordray, Professor Ruben Arana. She said, because if you send these event planners said, when you send there's a one sheet, you can write on there, Greg is the most fabulous guy in the world, <laughs> Brad Pitt. Right? <laughs> right. But if we see but if we see Brad Pitt on video talking about you, that's that's more than a piece of paper. Because mm. anybody can write so when people say, "Where's your one sheet?" I said, "I don't have one." Someone asked me last night, "Hey, do you have one sheet?" He said, "No, never will have one." And you're a speaker, and I said, "How many times did you speak this year?" He said, "About five. I said, "Right now, I'm on my 80th speech," and I said, "Next year, I have 260 offers to speak."
0: Oh my goodness me!
1: Wow. Let, Les Brown gets three thousand a year. Three thousand. Three thousand. And he 000. said, "Greg, you, Three thousand. He just he just took an offer to speak in Africa for $175,000 for a corporation. Then he's said oh, to India to make another another $175,000 for 45 oh. minutes.
0: Wow. That's incredible. So there's money
1: out there. There's And and, and Les always told me, because I thought, no, there's no more. There's no speaking out there because you, you last. He says, Greg, I started my career here in Columbus. You grew up here in Columbus. Go around and ask people if they knew who Les Brown is. Ask black people. There's people who don't know who Les Brown is after 40 years. After forty years, listen. I'm speaking in Zambia, Africa, right? Mm-hmm. I'm speaking. That's going to be my 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 second home, other than Israel. But I, I met this guy who he heard me speaking, and he says, "Big dreamer, what would it take for me to get there?" I said, well, "Call my agent." My agent gave and said, "We'll meet that fee." And so I just did a Skype, uh, where my my buddy uh, has a podcast. I did a Skype with his team in Africa, and they were blown away. And they said, big dreamer. You you're going to come to Zambia at least at least four times, right? So now I'm going there to the Zambia, Africa. When these other people have these one sheets, you know, they're not getting any gigs, because event planners want to see you. They want to see you on. That's why they, the Zambia team wanted to see me on uh, on the screen. You now we did Skype together. And then their team asked me questions individually, and they're like, you know what? Get ready. You're coming up here at least three to four times a wow. year, and they're and, and they're paying me well. So it's people want authenticity. I didn't know what that meant. Before I went on a camera, I was afraid to put myself in front of Periscope, which I was voted number one motivator to the first year of Periscope. It was my buddy, Steve Gamlin, who's a speaker in Massachusetts. He said, brother, I want you to look at my YouTube videos because he's a very authentic person. And I looked at this one video and Daniel, it's cold. There's like eight feet of snow in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and he's doing a YouTube video. His nose is so big like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> he's sneezing. He's got a hood on, but he's right. giving inspiration. I said, Steve, how can you do that? He said, because, Greg, I want people to see I'm just like them, that I have bad days. And that's what got me in front of the camera. That's what got me in front of the camera to do my first Periscope and my Facebook Live. I'm not afraid. I, I don't care if people don't like my hat. I don't care if people, because I used to worry about people think, and now I don't, because they don't pay my bills. They don't put me on a cruise ship. They don't take me to Hawaii, right? (laughs) So I tell people, there's 7 billion people in this world. Why do we listen to one or two? Why? Listen to those who love you enough. You know, if my wife or Les Brown calls me, Les Brown slammed his hand down the other day at me. He slammed it down. Gregory, how dare you leave that story out about your teacher, Mrs. Rivers? How she pulled you out and you almost turned around and knocked her teeth out because you didn't know who she was. How dare you? That's a powerful part part of your story he says how dare you leave that out and i love that because i don't put i don't surround myself around yes people i want no people i want people to tell me that stupid greg don't do that because yes people will not be there when you need them no people will no people will they will be there
0: that's really powerful Greg.
1: there's there's two people there's two birds I tell people, there's pigeons, right? Pigeons Mm -hmm. are always on the ground picking up something, right? And then there's eagles that are always soaring. I don't deal with pigeons. I only deal with eagles. I surround myself with people who are lifting up, not picking the crumbs off the ground.
0: Wow. Well, for those listeners that want to join you and become an eagle, how do they find you?
1: Well, they can go to my website that my wife made. It's not the greatest website, but it's a website. It's <laughs> right. Greg Inspires, greginspires.com. And they can follow me on all social media. And please, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm not too big on, but I still do it. Greg Inspires, all over there. And if you want to spot find me on Periscope, where I was voted number one motivator on Periscope, you can give me at, at TheBigDreamer. One word, just at TheBigDreamer. And you'll uh, find me on there. But everywhere else is Greg Inspires' website. And Daniel, my book is done. It's it's coming out. And uh, if they go to my website, they can sign up for my digital copy, which will be 99 cents on the first day. 99 Mm. cents for the Kindle version or the Nook version uh, for 99 cents. And please offer them to to anybody. Just go to my website, GregInspires.com, put it in there. And then when it goes out to Barnes & Noble all over the world, uh, the the hardback will become $30. So I want you to do that. My book is called Dream and Grow Rich. Now it's called The Big Dreamer. Uh, The first book I ever read in nineteen eighty three, my teacher, Mrs. Rivers, made me read it was called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Oh, yeah. It's a mindset book. book. It's what Mm. got me here where I'm at today. Wow. So my book is called Dream and Grow Rich, How to Dream, Grind and Hustle Your Way to Success. Because those are the only three things I believe you need is a dream or a vision, a daily grind, getting up working just from five to faint. You start at five in the morning till you faint. And then that hustle. (laughs) While you're taking your lunch break, you work on your dreams. While you're at your kid's soccer game, basketball game, you work on your dreams. On the weekends, you work on your dreams. On the holidays, you give up the hot dog or whatever it is, the donut, to work on your dreams. That's the hustle. So dream, grind, hustle. The book is Dream and Grow Rich. It's a mindset book because whatever you put in your mind, your mind will put out whatever you put in it. I don't believe in trash in, trash out. Trash in is trash in. I tell people all the time, listen, OPP – OPP, Only Phenomenal People, OPM, Only Phenomenal Messages. You should be listening to uh, positive messages every day on audiobooks, whatever it is, reading. You should read at least 5 to 10 to 20 pages of anything, of anything a day. Because the more knowledge you have, I don't believe knowledge is is power. Applied knowledge is power. So you got to have that dream, but then you got to put that work in it. See, a lot of people talk about the law of attraction. They talk about uh, thinking and grow rich, but they never talk about the work that has to go into it. Everybody has a dream, right? Everybody has intentions, but no one wants to put the work in. One <laughs> action, one action is better than a million intentions.
0: Wow. And to think that this voice was silenced for 48 years. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Really, you are you are an in incredible incredible inspiration greg thank you so much for letting me pick your brain thank you to all my fellow brain pickers i'm looking forward to the day when i'll be picking your brain You've
1: been listening to the can i pick your brain podcast inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth so to put these ideas into action head over to danielgevin.com